It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Want to be protected from opinions you don't like? Then you better go somewhere else because this is not a safe space. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Six or seven months into the COVID-19 pandemic or coronavirus era, whatever it is you want to call it, it turns out that uh, we have not regulated it out of existence, but boy, we sure have had an impact on people's livelihoods in the terms of what we've done to the economy and to jobs with a lot of shutdowns and lockdowns and just regulations and fears. Are they justified in a pandemic? I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us on American Viewpoints. Well, there's a new book out called Liberty or Lockdown. And uh, that title by uh, Jeffrey Tucker may uh, may catch a few people off guard. Jeffrey, first of all, thank you for the time today. And secondly, if uh, people hear that kind of dichotomy of a title liberty or lockdown they're going to say but wait 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 this is a pandemic we're trying to save lives we've got to be able to give and take a little bit <laughs> well it's uh, the government reaction to this is completely unprecedented and I, I think probably that's the first thing we need to understand that viruses have been with us for a million years and this is the first time the governments all over the world decided to just shut down everything we called human rights, property rights, freedom of association, freedom of travel, um, put everybody under house arrest. And we've never done this before. And we've had other very serious pandemics in, in the course of the, of the last 100 years. We had 68, 69, 2006, we had 57, 58, 48, 50 to 51 with polio and so on. And even in the Spanish flu, uh, we didn't have lockdowns on this level. There were some closures, but that was about it. And New York just continued to operate normally. So this is, it's, it's really important for people to understand this is an unprecedented experiment in social political management of a virus. And I've argued that it's, it's, been, a, it's been a disaster and, and that we should have just left this virus to the, to the medical professionals and to individuals to mitigate on their own, just as we have in the course of a very scientifically minded uh, 20th century. And something happened in the 21st century. We forgot everything we learned before and tried something completely new, and it's been a disaster. Okay, so what we're going to hear from people who are going to disagree with you, uh, Jeffrey, is that it's science we're relying on, which is why we have mandates for what cloth has to be on your face and which cloths cannot be on your face. And uh, this business cannot uh, be open right now because it's too dangerous, but this other one here can. Uh, you know, mass gatherings like churches and ball games and things like that, they're saying the science tells us that this is the best way to slow down the spread of this virus. So uh, we're not trying to trample on anybody's liberty. We'll give it back to you as soon as we're done with this virus. But for right now, we have to save lives. And, and uh, people who say these regulations have gone too far are often accused of, uh, of wanting to put people's lives at risk. Well, you know, 
the science is, is uh, not homogeneous. It's true that there are some computer modelers out there that call themselves epidemiologists who predicted millions upon millions of deaths unless everybody is locked into their home. But that is not a mainstream scientific opinion. And uh, I quote in the book just a ton of great, great experts um, who have been against this idea from the very beginning and have been against it for 15 years. You know, starting with Donald Henderson, the, the man who eradicated smallpox, uh, former head of the World Health Organization, said mandatory mass travel restrictions, quarantine, uh, business closures, school closures, all these stopping the mass events will have the opposite effect and distracts us from what we really need to be doing in a pandemic, figure out who's vulnerable and see to it that they have the means to protect themselves and then, and then let the community develop immunity to the disease. And that's the way we handled uh, the Asian flu, the Hong Kong flu, H1N1, you know, going all the way back. And for some reason, I think I know the reason, uh, we, we completely uh, botched the science in this case. And what's interesting too, is that we have now a lot of data about the effect of lockdowns on the virus and a lot of very serious studies in medical journals, economic journals, and very high-end econometric uh, modeling uh, to investigate the relationship between lockdowns and disease mitigation. And what they found is that the virus doesn't care about your lockdowns. It doesn't matter uh, whether you lock down or stayed open. The virus is going to do what it's going to do. And the pattern is the same everywhere. There's no statistically significant relationship between uh, uh, virus outcomes and policies like mandatory masks or school closures or shutdown of mass events or anything. So these are completely unsupported. Uh, there's, no, there's no basis to believe that there's anything scientific about lockdowns at all. And this is becoming increasingly clear. And the politicians who did this to us are just unwilling to face the data. We're visiting with Jeffrey Tucker. His new book, Liberty or Lockdown, is available as of right now. And uh, Jeffrey, one of the, I'm reading the kind of description of your book, and, and in one of the early paragraphs, one of the sentences you wrote kind of jumped out at me. It said, for most Americans, the COVID-19 lockdown was our first experience in a full denial of freedom. What do you mean by that? And is there a line in between complete lockdown and uh, complete living life as normal that would make sense to meet in the middle when it comes to trying to protect ourselves? Sure. Um, well, I think this is that sentence you read is, is an example of why we've all been so traumatized. You know, we, did, we just presumed that we had the right to fly to Paris and back when we wanted to, or go visit uh, you know, our parents in another state, or that our schools would stay open uh, no matter what. We could always go to the movies, we could go to a Broadway show. Um, that the sport, sports, we wouldn't abolish sports. And you know, there's a lot of things we kind of expected were, were promised us by virtue of sort of the American way of living. And if not that, then we certainly thought the Constitution of the courts, the Bill of Rights would stop us from being treated like cattle, um, but we were wrong about that. And I think it's I think it's traumatized an entire generation of of Americans to suddenly realize that how vulnerable they are to being subjected to, suddenly to despotic controls. And what you talk about in between solutions, I kind of get your point. Like sometimes when people hear me talk, they think, "Oh, so you just want to let the virus run wild?" Uh, no, uh, and. You know, we, we deal with annual flu season all the time. We do it through 
the use of intelligence. You know, I mean, older populations that are that are vulnerable to the flu know to stay away from crowds during the flu season. That's not unusual. And you'll read about that in every magazine directed towards uh, uh, aging populations. So it's through intelligent uh, 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 management of uh, the choice of exposure versus not exposure that we've managed to get better and better and better at, uh, at handling uh, new viruses and, and, and new, new pathogens as they come along. It's just this time we decided to dis disable that sort of socially, culturally based intelligence uh, in, in favor of giving unlimited power to whoever happened to be holding office at the time. And they ruled us through emergency declarations while being whispered in, in their ear by uh, quite unscientific and very often very ignorant um, public health authorities who have no experience in disease mitigation uh, or epidemiology, immunology, or virology at all. So this, this actually happened in this country and it's a shock. And I think it's going to be years before we come to terms with, with what's happened. Okay, I'm going to shortchange you on time for a fairly big question, uh, but what's your elevator pitch answer, 30 seconds or so, to the question of have we set a precedent for how government will handle future fears and or pandemics? I think this will probably never happen again. And, and that's because it's been such a disaster and there's zero evidence that it's done anything to mitigate this virus. And that evidence is pouring in by the day. It's just a matter of psychologically coming to terms with, with the devastation that's been wrought by these policies and, and, and how inconsistent they are with any precedent that we've ever had in managing diseases. And I don't believe that anything like this will ever happen again in the United States of America. All right, Jeffrey uh, Tucker, the book is Liberty or Lockdown, available now on uh, Amazon and probably wherever else you want to get your uh, books as well. Really appreciate the insight. It's going to run counter to what we've been hearing for months, and so I'm sure this, uh, this segment is going to ruffle some feathers, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for having me on. All right, well, one of the side effects we're hearing about from COVID-19 and all of these lockdowns has to do with mental health for a lot of people, young and old. But mental health is also something that we need to be talking about more. We should have been doing it beforehand. Just ahead, we're going to talk to somebody who finally says, you know what? I have taken steps to protect my mental health. You should, too. We're going to hear his story, and it's an important one. It's all ahead right here on American Viewpoints. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 